Good morning, Orlando. Thursday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. Welcome aboard at 6 o'clock for a first check of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Tom Alexander, in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. Irma gathers strength, and Governor Scott takes more cases away from a local state attorney. We'll have details coming up in one minute. And we're going to have an early Trump train celebration here, and his performance Harvey-related is only part of it. Plus, I will identify the biggest ego in politics. And guess what? It's not Trump, not even close. Coming up on Good Morning Orlando. 602 on News Radio 1025. Tropical Storm Irma is on the verge of becoming a hurricane. Forecasters at the National Hurricane Center in Miami say Irma's packing top winds of 70 miles an hour. As of 5 a.m., the tropical storm was about 600 miles west of the Cabo Verde Islands, moving west at about 12 miles an hour. Forecasters say Irma is likely to become a hurricane later today. Right now, it is too early to tell whether it will impact Florida. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Orange Osceola State Attorney Aramis Ayala's refusal to pursue the death penalty is costing her two more murder cases. Yesterday, Governor Rick Scott reassigned them to neighboring state attorney Brad King. That makes 30 cases transferred to King since Ayala announced in April that she would not seek death for accused double murderer Markeith Lloyd or anyone else. Last week, the governor gave King the case of Everett Miller, who's charged with killing two Kissimmee police officers. We've been talking about this since the very beginning with Ayala. She deceived the voters, Tom. She didn't tell anybody that if you elect me, guess what? We're not going for the death penalty, even when it is appropriate. I mean, this is outrageous. And we're up to how many did you say now? Uh, 30 cases. Wow. Incredible. You're making my blood boil early, sir. What else have we got? Following in the footsteps of President Donald Trump, Vice President Mike Pence heads to Texas today, where he'll get a firsthand look at the damage from Harvey. The storm is now a tropical depression after bringing record rainfall to southeast Texas this week. There's also the potential for another disaster in Texas this morning. At least two explosions are being reported at a Texas Gulf Coast chemical plant damaged by Harvey. The blasts happened early this morning at the Arkema plant in Crosby, sending black smoke into the air. Company officials said yesterday there would likely be explosions and a fire at the plant because it doesn't have any power and backup procedures had failed. People living near the area have been evacuated. It could be a week before water recedes around the plant. Fox now reporting um, just in that 10 deputies have been sent to the hospital in the wake of that explosion. It's at a peroxide plant. Fumes Mm. a big problem. We'll stay on that breaking story out of the Lone Star State. We sure will. She gets to keep her job, but Orlando Circuit Judge Kim Shepard has been suspended for three months and had to appear before the Florida Supreme Court Wednesday for a public reprimand. Chief Justice Jorge Labarga says Shepard lied to voters about a newspaper endorsement when she ran for judge. None of us can undo what you have done. None of us can ask the public to overlook your unethical behavior. None of us can correct the mischief that your misconduct unfairly introduced into an election. That sort of deception may be common in modern politics, but Chief Justice Labarca says the rules are different when you're running for judge. He also warns Shepard not to screw up again if she wants to keep the bench. Finally, the city of Winter Park is passing on what one official calls a, quote, political football. The city commission voted this week not to require police officers to wear body cameras. Police Chief Michael Deal asked for funding for the cameras. The city commission decided it was too expensive and not necessary. 
Vice Mayor Pete Weldon opposes the cameras and said last month he didn't want public safety to become politicized. WFLA News Time now 6.05. Read about thieves drilling through Paris catacombs and stealing $300,000 of wine at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Good to have Tom Alexander handling the news chores as Deb continues her vacation. Yaffe's at the controls, fresh from his primetime show Beyond Reason from 8 to 10 last night on WFLA. Hope you caught that. And uh, Bryce is screening your calls, and we will be taking your calls on a host of hot topics for the next three hours at 407-916-5400. And the text line always open at 23680. As we get started from the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com to donate to flood and hurricane relief in Texas. And now it's moving into Louisiana. They've got big problems there. Um, the Red Cross we are recommending to you and three ways to access them and to help out. Redcross.org online, on the phone, 1-800-RED-CROSS, or text HARVEY to 90999. Incredible drama continues to play out in the Lone Star State. Yesterday, an old friend of mine, I used to work with him, I was an anchor at Channel 6, and he was a reporter, and the best on-his-feet, ad-libbing, seat-of-the-pants street reporter I ever saw, and he's even better now, the great Trace Gallagher from Fox News, up in that helicopter, and an incredible drama unfolding as they plucked one family after another off their rooftops. Kids, little kids, old folks, dogs. It was high drama, and it continues in the Lone Star State. So many heroic rescues. And I'll tell you, if Trace doesn't win some big-time awards for that coverage, um, I don't know who should. He's flawless. The guy can ad-lib his britches off. He's phenomenal, and he's a great, great guy. Really fun to... To follow a guy who really made it and really had the chops deserving to make it, Trace Gallagher. There was other good reporting going on, frankly, on all of the networks, but I just found that to be absolutely stunning. Okay, we'll have, um, we're going to move away from the complete focus on everything related to Harvey. Um, Tom will keep you up to date on that through the news, our news headlines, etc. But I think it's about time we rode the Trump train because the ATM machine, the anti-Trump media machine, doesn't spend much time doing anything other than trying to derail it. There's some great Trump train material here, and we'll get right into it in a moment. And before this half hour is out, I will identify for you the absolute biggest ego in politics. And no, it is not the president of the United States, but it's somebody who would like to have been the president of the United States. Have you got a clue? You will as we continue. Join me on that one as well. We'll get into that and we'll have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, of course, updated in only two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. How about we hop on the uh, Trump train and do a little celebrating here? And the president's fine performance in Texas, where he made his first trip down there to the storm ravaged areas. He was in Corpus Christi and in Austin working with the governor, coordinating federal relief efforts with state and local officials as well. 
very well received. You know, the anti-Trump media machine is chomping at the bit to criticize him in one way or another. Some of the critics are saying it should have been out there meeting personally with the storm victims, and maybe that is so, and maybe it will happen this weekend. One of the issues is he couldn't go to Houston because he would have drained resources away from the essential life-saving efforts that continue there. Um, uh, But I have to say that uh, we also have to keep this president alive and 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 the Trump derangement syndrome, you know, it, it's frightening. You cannot have this guy, above all presidents, I believe, out in the open in an insecure situation. You simply cannot. And that's the ugly reality of all the hatred directed toward this man who is leading this country toward economic recovery. U.S. revised second quarter GDP up. 3%. It's to 3% now. We couldn't get 3% out of the Obama administration for eight years. Where's the coverage on that? What about private sector jobs? Up 237,000 in August. They only expected 185,000 new jobs. The fastest pace of growth in private sector jobs in five months. Strong efforts in the construction and manufacturing sectors there. What about draining the swamp, Mr. President? Well, if you're wondering, he has been at it. The president and his allies clamoring for months that Senate Democrats were stonewalling top-level appointees. President indicated earlier this week that hundreds of vacancies just might go unfilled. We're going to downsize government. We don't need all of this baggage here. In particular, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson has told Congress this week that most of his agencies, special envoy positions, including dozens from the Obama regime, will be eliminated and their responsibilities reassigned. Among those on the chopping block, envoys dedicated to climate change and the Iran nuclear deal. There are more than 1,100 positions that require Senate confirmation. Judiciary and civil, non-civilian positions excluded. The president has just sent 277 nominees uh, to Capitol Hill, only 124 of them have been confirmed. We got some stonewalling going on. There isn't any doubt about it. But the president is saying, we got a bloated government. We don't need these people. We're getting along fine. Anybody wake up one morning and say, oh, my God, where are all the envoys? I don't know. I seem to be getting along pretty well. How about you? Um, Tillerson said this week he's considering eliminating 2,300 jobs and consolidating the State Department with the U.S. Agency for International Development. He's gotten pushback uh, from Congress on that, so it hasn't happened yet. In his letter to Congress this week, Secretary of State Tillerson detailed his plans to eliminate special envoys, including for Afghanistan and Pakistan, disability rights, the closure of Gitmo. Um, However, the president plans to keep envoys for religious freedom, fighting anti-Semitism and LGBT rights. So there you go. We're draining the swamp. (laughs) We're just not going to fill those positions. We don't need them. And then the president continues... You don't get much coverage of this to make good in his promise that there will be extreme vetting of who gets into this country, particularly from these largely Muslim nations. The U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services operation in Washington has announced new policies this week that I'm not seeing anything about on the air, saying it wants more people to have face-to-face in-person interviews before they are given permanent status in this country. Starting on October 1st, we're talking about people already in the U.S. and business visas who want to apply for permanent residency and refugees uh, hoping to sponsor family members to join them here. Um, They're not going to, you know, they're not going to take paperwork applications. 
It's going to be a face-to-face sit-down, and they're going to grill them to find out what they and their people are all about. We're on the Trump train. A little celebration there. Oh, stay with me as I identify the biggest ego in U.S. political history. You think I've just been talking about the biggest ego? (laughs) Not even close, and I have the proof. Stay with me. Boy, if you're trying to um, identify the politician with the biggest ego in American political history, you've got a crowded field of contenders, don't you? But I think I have undeniable proof this morning that that dubious title goes to Hillary Rodham Clinton, the biggest ego in American political history. I'll tell you what has sealed it. She is a two-time loser for president. She ought to be in jail. And if the president hadn't wimped out on that pledge to order a special investigator through the special prosecutor through the Justice Department, she might well be now for everything from Benghazi to the email scandal. Okay? She's a two-time loser for President of the United States. She has a new book out entitled What Happened? All about the campaign and her stunning election loss to Donald Trump that the Democrats never saw coming, and she certainly didn't see coming. She thought she was going to clean his clock. So she's a loser. She ought to be a felon in jail. She's going on a book tour starting in September to 15 stops. Some in states she lost to Trump, shockingly. She's got one stop in Broward County, Florida. (laughs) How big is Hillary Clinton's ego? There's nothing wrong with a book tour. She's going to accompany the tour with what she says is a personal, raw, detailed, and surprisingly funny story that she will tell about her election loss to Trump and her personal recovery. Here's where the ego comes in. She's a loser twice over for the highest office in the land. She is charging up to $1,200 a ticket to sign her book and have you honored by listening to the story of her loss. Up to 1200 bucks. You can get a deal in Broward County, Florida. Must not be much demand. The tickets there are from $50 to $350. Yaffe, her book just ahead of this, Hard Choices, completely bombed when she was giving away autographs for free. Now she's charging up to $1,200. Maybe there's not enough money coming into the Clinton Foundation anymore. (laughs) Maybe they're having a tough time making the mortgage payments in Chappaqua. This has got to be the biggest ego in American political history. Who in the world is a two-time loser like this? disgraced and and really lucky not to be in the slammer. How in the world does she ever have the chutzpah to charge up to 1200 bucks a ticket to listen to her and sign a book? So many better things you could do with your money. But I think she's trying to capitalize on the anti-Trump furor. I I really think that's that's what it is. I don't know if it's going to work. The Democrat Party is trying to get away from her, I think. I think they're running from her. I don't think Democrats are red hot to go see her. Yeah, she's yesterday's news, and and she represents, you know, all the negativity. 
<laughs> of the last campaign. But she lost against Trump. Yes. So they don't like that. Why why in the she's a pariah. Why in the does she think people will turn out for this? She didn't draw flies with hard choices. People didn't come to see her. She didn't sell enough books, not nearly enough. I think this is going to crash and burn, and maybe it will damage, finally, the biggest ego in American political history. That's exactly what I think she has. Do you agree with me? Would you say that Hillary Clinton, based on what I've just told you, has to have the biggest ego of any politician in U.S. history? Am I right on that? And what about our celebration on the Trump train earlier? I'm going to take your calls and texts in the next segment, 407-916-5400 on the phone. Join me. And the text line, 23680. If she doesn't have the biggest ego in American political history, please, somebody enlighten the Bud Man here and tell me who does or did. 407-916-5400. You'll never convince me. But give it a shot. (laughs) Always good to have you. Tom Alexander with us uh, all week long, bringing us the news as Deb continues her vacation and just as Harvey gets downgraded to a tropical depression, we got another tropical system uh, that is heating up, and one I think we're going to have to watch, Tom. What can you tell us? Well, bud, tropical storm Irma is heading toward the west and approaching hurricane strength, but it's still a few thousand miles away from land. That's why Dennis Feldkin of the National Hurricane Center says it's a little early to pay a lot of attention to the so-called spaghetti models that show possible paths for Irma. Now with the days of the Internet, you can access a lot of the model information, but it can easily be misinterpreted. You could be looking at one model that five days out that has it sitting over central Florida, and then another model doesn't even have the thing forming. But what gets posted on social media? The one that's over central Florida. However, we are approaching the most active part of the hurricane season, so Falcon says you still need to be prepared. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Local rescuers who are in Texas to help Harvey victims are used to seeing hurricane damage, but nothing prepared them for what they're seeing right now. Almost two dozen members of the Central Florida Urban Search and Rescue Task Force 4 have been in Texas since Sunday. Task Force member Craig Hewlett estimates they've rescued more than 100 people and pets, but there are still plenty more in need. He tells the Orlando Sentinel they'll be working 11-hour shifts until Tuesday before another crew arrives to relieve them. Meantime, other Central Floridians are opening their hearts to the people of Texas in a big way. Janice Moran of the Central Florida Red Cross says the outpouring of support has been phenomenal. The generosity of of the community has been tremendous and ever so grateful for everyone just wanting to to help all those that that are in need in in, uh, the Gulf Coast, Louisiana and Texas. It's just been very inspiring. Moran says many people want to donate items like clothes, diapers, and furniture, but she says the best way to help Harvey victims is by donating money. You can do that by visiting redcross.org, calling 1-800-RED-CROSS, or texting Harvey to 90999. WFLA News Time now, 635. I'm Tom Alexander, News Radio 1025 WFLA. You can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. First hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. And we've got some Harvey-related items in the daily Bloomberg Business Report that's about to begin as we bring in Joan Doniger from the Bloomberg Newsroom in Washington, D.C., in this week for the vacationing Gina Cervetti. Good morning to you, Joan. Good morning, bud. We'll get to those Harvey-related items you have for us this morning right after you give us the market report and sum up uh, August on Wall Street, if you will, Joan. 
Well, we saw a strong reading of economic growth from the Commerce Department for last quarter. It came in at 3%, and that was better than predicted, so it helped boost stocks yesterday, too, putting the S&P higher for the fourth straight day. Those gains ranged from about a tenth to a half percent across the averages, and they're still helping boost stock futures because they are pointing higher today, too. Uh, The S&P up five points, NASDAQ futures up nine, and Dow futures are up 48 points right now. The gains, however, won't be enough to improve a tough August for stocks. The Dow flat for the month, the S&P up about uh, about a half percent lower, actually. The NASDAQ is up about a few tenths of a percent. There's been so much difficult and tragic news out of flood-ravaged Texas, but we are seeing, are we not, the first signs of a recovery there. What can you tell us, Joan? That's right. The airports have reopened in Houston. United Airlines is part of the, and Delta, too, part of the very first steps toward recovery. Uh, United is scheduled three flights into and three flights out of George Bush Intercontinental Airport. Now, usually, because that's a big hub, United has nearly 500 departures a day from that airport, but at least it's a start. Right. And um, businesses are... uh you know, beginning to think about getting opening again and getting up to speed. So hopefully the trend is all in the right direction down in flood-ravaged Texas. We know, though, we've already seen an impact here at the gas pump with the interrupted gasoline supplies, and that's going to be an issue far away from the Lone Star State. Right, Joan? Absolutely. Well, you know, in the D.C. area, we're already seeing it. Gas gas prices up by about a quarter a gallon. I don't know, you know, what we're seeing in Orlando in the morning, but it's it's already hit because of the Colonial Pipeline, which had to shut its main diesel line yesterday. Today, it's going to have to halt its gasoline line. About half of the Gulf Coast refining capacity is now offline because of Harvey. However, it might be responsible for a boost in a sector that had been uh, running out of gas, you might say. Car sales could improve next month throughout the rest of the year as people replace all the cars that are lost to floods. And it might mean a big market for pickup trucks, uh, which help in reconstruction. Very interesting on that angle. And I would uh, say, based on my own observations and what we're seeing from GasBuddy.com, we've seen an increase off Harvey of about 15 to 20 cents a gallon so far here in the Orlando area. Perhaps more hikes to come. Speaking of automobiles, Cadillac is back on the other side of the world. What's going on in China? That's right. Cadillac, a symbol of luxury. The Wall Street Journal says in China that GM luxury brand is an American status symbol. Caddies are selling better abroad than they do at home. Okay, now before you go, we've seen time and time again the big bricks-and-mortar retail chains struggling, some of them shutting their doors, um, you know, trying to deal with the trend toward online buying driven by Amazon. Um, You've got a story in terms of Macy's, which is, uh, you know, I know they closed their store recently here over in Oviedo. They've been doing so around the country, uh, but they're not dead yet, and they're fighting back. What's the story? You're, that's absolutely right, Bud. Macy's is adding same-day delivery in about three dozen new markets. It's doing so in Tampa. And, you know, Macy's also owns Bloomingdale's, and Bloomingdale's is adding a uh, same-day delivery in a couple of locations, one of them Orlando, all so that they could, as you said, compete better with Amazon. All right, Joan Doniger in for Gina Cervetti with our daily Bloomberg Business Report. Great job as always, Joan. It's always a pleasure when you're with us. We'll look oh, forward to you tomorrow morning. Thank you. I'll be here. Thanks so much. Good deal. 639 here on the 50,000-watt front porch for the Frontgate Realty Studio. As Laura has the buyers.com. Have I gone too far when I say Hillary, the two-time loser for president, ought to be in jail, having the nerve to try and charge up to $1,200 a ticket 
for a talk during her upcoming book tour seals the deal. She has to have the biggest ego in American political history. Am I right? If I'm wrong, you tell me who does or did. We'll get to that in a moment, and our sound judgment game's coming up a little later on. Don't call on that yet, but it is coming, and you can win a free hotel stay for you and your family on us if you are our winner. All of this on Orlando's News, Weather, and Traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I mean, it's really unprecedented from what I'm reading to charge people to come out and see you and get a signed copy of your book and your insights into the content of the book. But that is what Hillary Clinton has the unmitigated gall to do. It's driven by what I think has to be the biggest ego in American political history, and that's quite a statement. She's charging up to $1,200 for her upcoming book tour, for seats to hear her talk about how she lost to Donald Trump and to sign a book for you. Up to 1200 bucks. She's a loser. Times two. She's lucky she's not in jail. Does this indicate the biggest ego in political history resides within Hillary Clinton? <laughs> That's what I'm concluding. You tell me what you think. Olin, good morning from South Brevard County in beautiful Palm Bay. How you doing, Olin? Oh, fine, uh, bud. Good morning to you, too. And uh, Hillary Clinton, you're you're right. Hillary Clinton has always had a big ego, and she's also narcissistic. And those two things helped uh, cost her the election. For instance, she didn't even, after she secured the nomination, she didn't even uh, campaign in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, apparently she's going to be going there, which I think is interesting. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. But after she secured this, she did not go there. I guess she thought her surrogates could take it over. Yeah. But uh, the ego and the narcissism leads to arrogance, and the arrogance was the deplorable speech to a Democratic fundraiser in New York City back in August of last year. That's yeah, she said that. half the Trump supporters, she put in a basket of deplorables, and the and bottom also, began to fall out. Also, the, we were irredeemable. That's right, because yes. Because we listened to Donald Trump, and he was telling us he wanted to make America great, secure yeah, our yeah. borders, and just do a good job. And that's what we wanted. But she had to do that. She was so so arrogant. Absolutely and, right. And that's all, I mean, that's all tied in with a monumental ego. Some great recollections there. Olin, I want to thank you, but I want to move on, if you don't mind, and bring in Peter from Claremont. Good morning to you, Peter. Does Hillary have the biggest ego in political history by virtue of the fact she's going to charge up to 1200 bucks for her book tour? I wouldn't say arrogance more than ignorance. Uh, <laughs> the left, as usual, surrounds the wagons, and life is perfect, and Hillary land and nothing's wrong and they did nothing wrong and the usual blah 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 nonsense and I it, it, they just she just doesn't want to face reality I mean and it's it, I just really think she's a moron I mean it's just ignorance well we'll see how it all pans out I think she's in for a comeuppance and a real embarrassment when the cameras roll and the crowds are small thank you so much and I think the Democrats I mean <laughs> she's a very bad memory you know, I don't think they're going to say, oh, my God, it's Hillary. Oh, Hillary. I don't think so. But she thinks so. And that's driven by a pure ego of monumental and I think perhaps unsurpassed proportions.
in American political history. You think Trump's got a big ego? He's not even close. We're playing our once-a-day sound judgment game for a a great prize here in our 6 o'clock hour, and we've got a full bank of callers, and here's what we're playing for, Bryce. A one-night stay at the Red Roof Inn or Red Roof Inn Plus of your choice anywhere in the country. Call 1-800-RED-ROOF or go to www.redroof.com to book your stay. Okay, now the phones are busy, but if someone goes down with the wrong answer, we quickly open the line and you can grab it and win in a later round by calling 407-916-5400 as soon as that wrong answer comes up. You ready? It is the anniversary of the death of Britain's Princess Diana, killed in a tragic car crash in Paris. How well I remember the worldwide disbelief and the outpouring of grief. How well I remember the service for Diana held in London's iconic Westminster Abbey. And for me, and perhaps for you, no memory of that service is more indelible than when Elton John sang and played Goodbye, England's Rose. Now, listen with me to a portion of that beautiful tribute to Princess Diana, and then use your sound judgment to tell me what year we lost Princess Diana on this very day. Goodbye, England's Rose, from a country lost without your soul. Miss the wings of your compassion more than you'll ever know. And it seems to me you've lived your life like a candle in the wind, never fading with the sunset when the rain set in. And your footsteps will always fall here along greenest hills Your candles burned out long before Your legend ever will Elton John's moving tribute to Princess Diana at her funeral in Westminster Abbey The question on the table for our sound judgment contestants on the phone Tell me what year Diana was killed on the 31st of August. Line three, I'll give you the first chance to be our winner. 1997. The game quickly over. Congratulations to you. What's your first name? Jane. Jane? Where are you calling in from, Jane? Beautiful New Smyrna Beach. Okay, you haven't won in a while, so you are eligible. Uh, What are your remembrances of that day? Oh. My goodness, just the the utter sadness, and the two ch- boys walking in the parade for her funeral was just yeah. William and Harry, along with the rest of the royal family, oh, yes. yeah. But Elton right. John and Westminster Abbey, wow. Oh, that it was, was something. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It was. It really was. And um, we don't normally take such a serious tack here, but I definitely wanted to have a remembrance of that day in this show. And so that's why we, I chose to go this route with Sound Judgment. Jane, thank you for being a part of our, our, um, our audience on the 50,000-watt front porch for playing and winning our game today. We congratulate you. I'll send you a note. Stay on the line. You know the drill. You've won in the past. So um, Bryce and you will have an all-fair conversation to get you that free hotel stay, all right? Thank you so much, bud. Yeah, thank you. God bless you, and we do appreciate you. We do, we do, we do. You're going to really appreciate this. And I don't care whether you thank me, but people all over Central Florida do when I run into them. 
You get on the Burn Fat Orlando program where you can lose 30 to 40 pounds in a fast, safe, and easy way. Maybe even a whole lot more than that if you stay on it longer. I mean, I dropped 33 pounds in 40 days. I became a real believer in what Dr. St. Germain and his team can do for you in terms of a customized weight loss program unlike anything else out there. No shots, no drugs, no chalky tasting shakes. You eat real food the whole way. It's an incredible program. I became a real believer, and uh, it never comes back to bite me. People get on this program, and they say, Bud, man, I wish you'd done this years earlier. This has changed my life, and some folks who have lost a lot of weight will tell me, Bud, man, Burn Fat Orlando has literally saved my life. For you or someone you know who needs to lose some weight and lose it now in a healthy way, get on the Burn Fat Orlando program. Learn more at burnfatorlando.com. BurnFatOrlando.com or give them a call in my very best regards, please. 855-889-THIN. 855-889-THIN. And in no time, we will be seeing less of you. Dem's on vacation somewhere in the Sunshine State at an undisclosed location, I'm sure, knowing her having the time of her life. News duties being handled oh so well by our new guy on the team, Tom Alexander. He'll be here in just a moment to update you on more trouble in the tropics as Irma gathers strength. And a fellow professor coming to the Harvey Karma Tweeter's defense. Interesting angle there. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Good Thursday morning. We are so glad you're with us at 6.59. Good morning, Orlando. The top of the morning to you on a Thursday at 7 o'clock as we update you on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. Irma gathers strength and a fellow professor comes to the Harvey Karma Tweeter's defense. We'll have details coming up in one minute. College football kicking off right here in Orlando tonight. We got the Gators, the Seminoles, and more, and 10 Gators suspended. Talking sports first off this hour on Good Morning Orlando. 7.03 on News Radio 102.5. Tropical Storm Irma is in the Atlantic and expected to become a hurricane later today. But with several thousand miles to go before the storm reaches land, Forecasters say it's too early to tell whether it will impact Florida. As of 5 o'clock this morning, Irma was about 600 miles west of the Cabo Verde Islands, moving west at about 12 miles an hour. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Defending the Karma Tweeter, the American Association of University Professors is going to bat for Ken Story, who was fired by the University of Tampa for saying on Twitter that Hurricane Harvey was karma for Texas Republicans. It says Story shouldn't be fired unless the university thinks he's unfit for the job, and determining that requires a hearing. The association's Hans-Jörg Tita singled out campus reform and other websites that have called attention to outrageous comments by Story and other professors. Uh, As a result, then often end up generating calls for that faculty member to be dismissed, but also in some cases uh, um, um, death threats, that are being directed as a result of these of these publications. Tita says the university has endorsed AAUP policies about what professors say off the job, and that means Story should have gotten a hearing before a dismissal. He insists the AAUP isn't asking UT to endorse what Story said. No response from UT so far. Yeah, I was surprised they fired him, and we talked about it in length um, earlier this week on the show, uh, Tommy. Very interesting to see 
you know, whether or not um, UT um, caves on this. We'll watch for it. I know you'll be reporting on it for us. We absolutely will follow this story. A motorcyclist is dead after a crash in Seminole County. Florida Highway Patrol says a 53-year-old Orlando man was riding his motorcycle northbound on U.S. 1792 last night when he tried to make a left turn onto I-4. He turned into the path of a southbound pickup truck. Mm. Motorcyclist was taken to the hospital where he later died. His name has not yet been released. Driver of the pickup was not hurt. A compromise will let lawyers for the Pulse nightclub shooter's widow do something that's not normally allowed. A judge in Orlando yesterday allowed Noor Salman's defense team to file a motion that exceeds the limit of 25 pages. Her lawyers asked for permission to file a 35-page motion. The judge set the limit at 30 pages. Salman is facing charges including aiding and abetting a terrorist organization, and the motion will explain why some evidence against her should be suppressed. Finally, the UCF Knights kick off their football season tonight. They host the Florida International University Golden Panthers in Orlando. The nationally televised game kicks off at 6 p.m. at Spectrum Stadium on the UCF campus. It's the first game for FIU head coach Butch Davis, who's probably best known for his years as head coach of the Miami Hurricanes. WFLA News Time now 706. Read about federal judge blocking a Texas sanctuary city's law at 1025wfla.com. Second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Tom, thanks for setting the table for our conversation with one of our sports guys from our sister station, 96.9 The Game, about the opening of the college football season here and elsewhere. Are you a fan? I'm a big fan. Proud UCF alum, wearing my black and gold today. Super excited about the game tonight. Yaffe's a UCF grad, too. Um, Bryce, I don't know. Are you a UCF guy? No, I'm not. I attended there, but I didn't graduate from UCF. I understand. Now, what about the Knights, guys? I mean, are, are you optimistic about the season? They're going to open up at Spectrum Stadium in town tonight? Is this going to be a good year? I certainly am. They returned uh, most of their key players on offense, and they have a lot of experience on defense. So uh should be at least as good as last year, I think, if not better. Yaffe, what about it? You're fired up? Yeah. I mean, I'm not as big of an expert on it as he is, apparently. He, he like, knows, like, the stats and everything. Well, I think— But the, I hope they do well, obviously. I think the guy who's really the expert is Brandon Kravitz from 96.9 yeah, Again. Exactly. He'll be in here in a moment <laughs> to talk about that, talk about the Gators and all of those suspensions. You know, of course, we're the Gator Nation station. We'll be broadcasting the game against Michigan this weekend if they can find enough players still on the roster that they can field a team. Good Lord. And the Seminoles with the biggest challenge of all against number one Alabama. Talking college football here in just a moment. And we'll catch you with the news at the bottom of the hour, Tom. And, of course, whenever it breaks. If you want to donate to flood relief of Harvey in Texas and elsewhere, affected areas of Louisiana, etc., we hope you will engage the Red Cross and do what you can. Go online to redcross.org. Get on the phone to 1-800-RED-CROSS or text Harvey to 90999. They need every penny they can get. It's a massive storm relief effort, as I'm sure you know. We continue from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Talking college football with Brandon Kravitz from our sports station right down the hall. We'll catch him in a moment, and don't miss it. That and Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Oh, 
Oh, man, we're not a sports station, but I'm a sports fan, and a lot of you are as well. And we're your Gator Nation station, proud to bring you all of the games. We've been doing it for years. The first game is a big one against Michigan. Game time kickoff, 3.30 Saturday afternoon. Just ahead of that, our terrific pregame show here on WFLA. But the Gators are going into this game with all kinds of problems. And let's focus on the kickoff to um, college football season by a good friend of the program and a great guy who works for our um, sister station, our sports station, 96.9 The Game, just down the hall, Brandon Kravitz, a.k.a. Kravitz, co-host of uh, the Open Mic Show, which is on right now from 6 to 9. Uh, thanks for coming down the hallway here. I'm going to give you back to Mike Bianchi in a couple of minutes, Kravitz, but it's great to have you with us it, on the 50,000-watt front porch. It is a pleasure to be on with you, a radio legend. This is the <laughs> first time we've ever been on together. I, it really I, is. seen you in the halls for years, and it's a pleasure to be part of the show. It's great to have you here. Let's talk about the Gator suspensions. We're now at double digits. What's going on up there, and what's the impact on this team? You know, I'm not sure that the impact, I'll start with that, the impact on this team for this particular game is really that drastic. You're missing Antonio Callaways. That, that's their best receiver. That has an impact. You're missing the starting running back. The other players aren't really high-impact guys. In Michigan, this isn't the best Michigan team that we've ever seen. Last year, they were really good. This year, they're returning one starter on defense. So while Jim McElwain now has named his starter in Felipe Franks, if he can get the job done with the guys that he does have on the roster, I still like the Gators to win this game. Uh, but wow. as, as far as the embarrassment to the Florida Gators, there's no denying that this looks bad for the Gators. Yeah. I mean, is this something that's going on in other programs, but they're just looking the other way, and Jim McElwain, the coach, just decided we're going to do what's right here, or do we just have a problem unique to the Gators? Well, I, I think that th this is a problem unique to the Gators in that you don't see an overwhelming number of suspensions or problems like this coming out of other programs. You see a couple here and there. Of course, you get the big-time programs that bring in those, a couple of those miscreants, then, of course— you're going to have issues, but it seems like the Florida Gators have more than others. My hat's off to Jim McElwain, though. Yeah. He doesn't have to do this. You mentioned turning the blind eye. We've seen Gator coaches, Urban Meyer, do that in the past, Yeah, and Jim McElwain isn't. So a hat's off to him. He's doing what he has to do, and hopefully for the Gators, it won't affect them on the field on Saturday. I promise, Bianchi, I'll get you back down the hallway to your, um, your seat with him on uh, – on open mic, and I'll do that. So very quickly, a prediction. Do the Seminoles take down number one Alabama, and does UCF win its opener tonight? I think UCF wins the opener. I think the UCF wins the opener by about 20 points in Florida State versus Alabama. I think the game is going to live up to the billing. It's going to be the game of the century. I think it's going to be tight. Wow. I think Alabama wins. On a very somber note, you're involved in the broadcasts of the Stetson Hatter games, and they're mourning the loss of a player who died suddenly during practice this week. What do you know about this? I did not know Nick Blakely personally. I know a lot of those players. I know Roger Hughes, the head coach, really well. It's sad. Uh, it's a non-scholarship school for their athletes. So you're talking about athletes that are paying their way and choosing to join the football team out of a love and a passion for the sport. To see that happen, it's heartbreaking. Of course, the silver lining now is that the entire athletic, the progr uh, athletic program has banded uh, together and they're all in support uh, of Nick and – uh, of course, the season will be played in honor of Nick Blakely. It's a sad story yeah, and really one is. that it's going to be tough to uh, to overcome for them. Kravitz, the co-host of Open Mic, down the hallway on our sister station, 96.9 The Game, with Mike Bianchi. Thank you so much for coming on here. We'll have you back on the 50,000-watt front porch. I um, hope so, bud. Thanks. Terrific. Thank you very much, Brandon. Uh, good stuff there. 
Former President Obama, soft on crime and anti-police. We can debate to what degree, but that is undeniably true in my opinion. President Trump, pro-law enforcement, tough on crime. We can debate to what degree, but it's undeniably so. And so it is that this week, President Trump has signed an executive order restoring a Defense Department program that had been in existence since 1990 that transfers surplus military equipment from the military to police agencies around the country so they can have the heavy-duty gear they need when they have a need for it. President Obama signed an order vastly diminishing police department's access to this surplus military gear back in, 19, in 2015. In the wake of the Ferguson, Missouri riots, the president thought the police looked too tough, too menacing, you know, in all of their body armor, etc. And, uh, and so he, he, he signed an order that Trump has just undone, okay? So the full scope of grants now restored that can be used by police departments here in Florida and across the country to purchase all kinds of equipment from the military at a great price. This equipment includes clothing, rifles, ammunition, armored vehicles, helmets, and more. The executive order um, prohibited the DOD, the Obama order, from transferring 50 caliber firearms or ammunition, camouflage uniforms, made it very difficult for agencies to acquire armored vehicles, battering rams, riot helmets, riot shields, and drones. You know what's going on out there with the lawlessness and, 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 you know, the people who are fomenting these riots, I mean, come heavily armed to the teeth. And the police can be outgunned. We can't have that. We had that in Charlottesville. So anyway, I'm a fan of this. And as I recall, Orlando Police Chief John Mina, in the wake of the Pulse nightclub massacre in June of 2016, said that one of his officers' life was saved by the type of helmet that he had that was a product of this program, military gear. It was was a military-style helmet, stopped a bullet, saved the life of an Orlando police officer responding to the massacre by Omar Mateen at the Pulse nightclub. Recent study touted by the Department of Justice, found that for every $5,800 in military aid given to law enforcement agencies through this program, society saves roughly $112,000 in costs due to prevented crime. Attorney General Pam Bondi is supportive of President Trump's order lifting the Obama ban on local law enforcement obtaining this surplus military equipment. And many law enforcement leaders here and around the country are supportive of this. Not all, but many. I want to find out what Orlando Police Chief John Mina thinks about this. And we'll have him on the 50,000-watt front porch here in about 15 minutes. I hope you will stay with us on that score. Well, Harvey's no longer a hurricane, no longer even a tropical storm, but at this time of year, there's always something going on out there, and we're working our way through the alphabet. Who's next, Tom? Irma. That's right. Tropical storm Irma is in the eastern Atlantic and gaining strength. 
Dennis Feldkin of the National Hurricane Center says we should be keeping an eye on Irma with a few thousand miles to go before it hits land. He says don't get too worried at this point. The only track they need to be paying attention to is the one that comes officially from the National Hurricane Center. And right now we have plenty of time to watch it. This is more than 3,000 miles away from the U.S. mainland. Irma is expected to become a hurricane later today. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Bud, you know the saying that there is no such thing as bad publicity? Yeah, that's right. There's two kinds of ink, good ink and good ink is exactly. the old, is the old expression. <laughs> well, that is apparently true for a new wax museum up in Boston. The Dreamland Wax Museum is getting panned online. Some of the negative comments include suggestions that the President Donald Trump figure looks more like South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> I imagine the president won't be too happy about that No, I don't think he will be. Given his opinion of Lindsey Graham. And vice versa. (laughs) Others say the Tom Brady and Princess Diana figures missed the mark entirely. But the museum's vice president of sales says those less than favorable comments have fired up interest in the museum rather than making people stay away. So people will pay money to see how bad... The wax statues are? It appears that way. <laughs> it's like, I guess, going That's to see crazy. a bad movie and, you know, making fun of it during the movie. I oh, okay, okay, all right. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine paying money to see a bad museum. Me but. neither, either. You know, but it's amazing to me. Now, you go to, the, there's a wax museum down by the eye, the great uh-huh. big wheel down there, which if you've been in there, I it's all part of there. an attraction. Yep. Some of them are just absolutely dead on. It's like they're all alive. I oh, mean, they're really? amazing. You know, some of them, though, not so good. I don't understand why they're able to nail some figures and and others they just seem to have trouble with. And I don't sometimes I wonder if political statements are being made, but that's just me. What else we got? Uh, Well, the catacombs under Paris are home to tours. They're famous for illegal parties, and they say they're the bones of six million people down there. Oh, that's lovely. They were also recently home to thieves stealing a whole bunch of expensive wine. The Guardian reports thieves drilled into the cellar of an apartment near Luxembourg Gardens and stole more than 300 bottles of vintage wine. Now, this wine said to be worth between six and $1,200 a bottle. So we're talking about 300 grand worth of wine. Down from in the catacombs of Paris? Apparently, they got into the catacombs, drilled into the cellar, and... Made oh. off with the vino. Holy smoke. How about that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Prosecutors say the burglary could have happened any time between late July and late August, but they just discovered it this week. After they loaded up, the thieves made their way through the catacombs. They are still at large. Uh, there are 150 miles of tunnels down there. So police think that these guys knew exactly where they were headed. Unbelievable. What a story. Good stuff, as always. Tom in for Deb here, and he'll be back whenever news breaks and at the top of the hour as well as we roll on toward the 9 o'clock hour. Orlando's fine police chief, John Mean, is a busy guy, and we always appreciate it when we can get a few moments with him live on the 50,000-watt front porch. So, Chief, welcome back to Good Morning Orlando, and thanks for being with us. Good morning, bud. Happy to be here with you. So what about the uh, executive orders signed by President Trump undoing an Obama order and now restoring a Defense Department program that uh, makes military uh, equipment, surplus military equipment, available to police departments like yours? Well, we're very ex- uh, pleased with that decision. Uh, you know, and it's, you know, law enforcement around the country 
they're not all as uh, fortunate as we are here in the city of Orlando. And, you know, sometimes they can't afford to buy the, that needed equipment. And I think the important thing to remember is that equipment is necessary to save lives. And if you look back at Pulse, you know, our armored vehicle, although not um, acquired through the 1033 program, um, saved dozens of lives that night. So there's agencies all around the country that can't afford uh, to buy their own armored vehicles. So that's why they depend on the 1033 military surplus program. Chief, I remember, am I correct, that was the armored vehicle that finally broke through the wall of Pulse and got your guys inside? That's correct. And, you know, you don't need it until you need it. But, right. Uh, so, and that's, it's not equipment that, you know, we're using every single day, but... There are times, as you've seen, that it's dangerous for our law enforcement, and we need that type of equipment. And you know, as you saw here in Texas, there's there's vehicles that cannot get through uh, water. Some of those military vehicles uh, are able to help with disaster disaster relief in that case. Um, in Pulse, by the way, I was going back over some old articles from that uh, from the massacre, and 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 your comments afterward that um, um, a military grade helmet saved the life of one of your men who took a bullet in the helmet, right? That's absolutely correct. He was wearing a Kevlar helmet, which we purchased. But like I said, many departments cannot afford to purchase their own. And that's 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 the majority of the equipment that you're being seen uh, acquired through the military surplus program is, is Kevlar uh, helmets, protective gear uh, that is needed to protect our officers uh, from danger out there. So what will be... Um on your list that you'll be ordering from the Defense Department now that we have this order from President Trump? We don't have anything specific that we're looking for, but we do um, watch for that list. And then if there's things on there that we think we need, uh, we'll certainly acquire them. What was your take when President Obama, post-Ferguson, uh, issued his order drastically reducing this program, saying he didn't like how militaristic the police looked there and that it sends the wrong signal to high-crime areas in inner cities. Well, uh, but that was an overreaction based on the incidents that happened in Ferguson. And, you know, our, you look at the city of Orlando. They have to trust me, uh, you know, with this $141 million budget. I, I have a 1,000 people working for me. You know, I... I I work for the mayor and the city council. They have to trust me to do what's right and use uh, military equipment uh, that we acquire in, in the proper way. And what, what people don't realize, especially in that incident, officers were being fired upon, and a lot of that didn't get out through the media. So, And remember, an armored vehicle is merely a vehicle to protect the people from inside being shot at. That's all it is. And, you know, sometimes in, in drastic, extreme measures, uh, that – that equipment is needed, and we can't worry about what people look like. Chief, before you go, I'm afraid I may have misspoken um, earlier, so please clarify this for me. Under this Department of Defense program, now restored by the Trump order, do police departments like yours get the surplus military gear free, or do they get it at a bargain price? No, many, much, most, the majority of the equipment um, is free. So, for example, you know, we've, we've acquired uh, camouflage uniforms before and even Kevlar helmets, uh, and those would be free. There, there are some items that come with a cost, and you're talking about you know, the bigger uh, type items, um, like as vehicles or, or aircraft, and, um, which, which we don't have a need for right now.
Chief, you and the department are doing a terrific job, and uh, thank you very much for coming on this morning. I really wanted to get your take on this uh, executive order by the president, which I support, and I suspected you would as well. And it is so good to hear that you do, and uh, we appreciate you explaining it all to us here this morning. Well, great. Happy to, to be here and offer some uh, some guidance in this. Thank you, Chief Mina. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Good deal. Fifty thousand watt front porch wide open with a bit more than an hour to go. Uh, Seven fifty-five on a Thursday morning. We are glad you're with us. The Bud Man, Tom uh, Alexander, in for Deb with the news. Yaffe in the control room, running the show, and Bryce screening your calls. Um, and we got a great hour coming up here, um, highlighted not only by Dr. Kronhaus and breaking health and medical news on the weekly house call at about eight forty, but ahead of that, Charlie DePerry from our weekend home improvement show on WFLA. Uh, which airs Saturday morning, 9 until 11, from acesolvesatall.com. He has done home restoration work. He knows what it's going to take to make each and every one of those 40,000-some homes in the Houston area livable again. And uh, wait until you hear what he says needs to be done to every one of those flooded homes. It's coming up. Staggering when you get the prediction, it's the headline of the New York Post this morning, the forecast that this will become, Harvey, guys, the costliest natural disaster in U.S. history with a price tag approaching $160 billion, which is roughly the equivalent of adding the cost of Katrina and Sandy together. That is unbelievable to me, especially when, I mean, we remember Katrina. We remember the mass devastation from that storm. To think that this one is even worse, is uh, that's a crazy stat. Yeah, it really is. Um, and uh, it's an all-out effort in in Houston. I mean, the rescue efforts have been fantastic. Volunteers from Central Florida, from all around the country. And they've even brought in the U.S. military because they've maxed out on the National Guard they've got in the state of Texas. Right, Bryce? You're following that for us. That's right. They're sending 12,000 National Guard, from Texas National Guard troops there. Yeah. And, Tom, isn't it staggering to think? that the price tag for this might exceed by far any other natural disaster. They're now talking $160 billion um, to fix what Harvey has done. It's unbelievable. And those numbers are just unfathomable. That, they really that are. Amount of money. It's Katrina plus Sandy? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, uh, I mean, it appears horrible from everything we're seeing, but the images don't seem nearly as bad as what we saw from Katrina and Sandy. So to think about that level of damage is... Here's the problem. Television... For all the wonder that it can do in a story like this, all the aerials and the choppers, the drones that are up Mm -hmm. in the air, they can't begin to give you the idea of the scope. I was reading the other day, I know Houston is the fourth largest city in America, but its footprint is enormous. The metropolitan Houston area, guys, is the size of the state of New Jersey. Yep. That Um, puts it into perspective. Yeah, exactly. So it's just mammoth. And now Beaumont, Port Arthur, western Louisiana having horrible horrible flooding problems. Place you still have the wind damage on the coast of Texas that happened initially. Right. Oh, exactly. Corpus Christi and surrounding areas. Good morning, Orlando. So glad you're with us here on a Thursday morning at the top of the 8 o'clock hour and just in time for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. Irma gathers strength and a local judge gets a public reprimand. We'll have details coming up in one minute. And what does it take to put back into livable order one of those 40,000 flooded homes in Houston? 
You'll find out live in a moment on Good Morning Orlando. 802 on News Radio 1025. Tropical Storm Irma is on the verge of becoming a hurricane. As of the last advisory, forecasters at the National Hurricane Center in Miami say Irma is packing top winds of 70 miles an hour. Forecasters say Irma is likely to become a hurricane later today. Right now, it's too early to tell whether it will impact Florida. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. An Orlando judge got a public tongue lashing from the Florida Supreme Court. Shame. 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 Okay, so it's no Game of Thrones, but Circuit Judge Kim Shepard had to stand silently before the high court on statewide TV while the Chief Justice told her she brought shame to their house. This was wrong, Judge Shepard. Every lawyer knows, or ought to know, that this is unethical behavior. Shepard's crime? Fake news. When she ran for judge, her campaign handed out flyers claiming she had the support of the Orlando Sentinel. But those quotes were 20 years old, and the newspaper had actually endorsed her opponent. Two explosions and plumes of black smoke have been reported at a flooded chemical plant in Crosby, Texas. Crosby is between Houston and Beaumont. One deputy has been taken to the hospital after he inhaled fumes from the Arkema peroxide plant. Sheriff's Office officials say nine others drove themselves to the hospital as a precaution. The facility has been closely monitored after plant officials said they expected a chemical reaction that would likely cause a fire resembling a large gasoline fire. The thick black smoke from the explosions, quote, might be irritating to the eyes, skin, and lungs, according to Arkema officials. The company shut down the facility as Harvey approached last week and evacuated employees as well as residents within a mile and a half of the plant as a precaution after it was flooded under more than five feet of water. What a blessing that they knew this was inevitable. Otherwise, we could have been looking at a catastrophic loss of life if that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, thank goodness they had the foresight for that. You know, so you're looking for, you know, a bright ray of hope in the middle of that situation in Texas. That's one of them. Definitely. And a South Florida polo mogul is trying to beat a DUI manslaughter conviction by challenging the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. John Goodman of Wellington is serving a 16-year sentence after his Bentley-rammed UCF graduate Scott Patrick Wilson's car and sent it into a canal in 2010. Wilson drowned. Goodman's attorney told the state Supreme Court that blood alcohol tests of suspected drunk drivers are not reliable. Lawyers for the state say Goodman's legal team invented a problem in an effort to spring him on a technicality. And today marks 20 years since the death of Princess Diana. People all over the world were devastated when Diana died in a car crash during a trip to Paris with her boyfriend, Dodi Fayed. While heading to Fayed's Paris apartment to get away from paparazzi, their car smashed into the support pillar of a tunnel. The impact of Diana's death in Britain was explosive, and members of the public descended on Kensington Palace in droves to grieve and leave floral tributes. The People's Princess, a moniker given to Diana by former Prime Minister Tony Blair, was 36 years old when she died. I'll never forget it. I mean, it was unbelievable. The event and the outpouring of grief was just, uh, it knew no no bounds. I'll I'll never forget it. And I was looking up some old videos, you know, from the service at uh, Westminster Abbey, and we played um, Elton John's version of um, Goodbye England's Rose that he played there that day. And it all just came flooding back, and it was just it was just awful. I mean, it really, really was. And amazing to think it's 20 years to the day. I'm really glad that um, you recall that for our listeners who are joining us here in the 8 o'clock hour, Tom. Yeah, one of, definitely one of those moments where you remember exactly where you were when you found out. For sure.
WFLA News Time Now, 8.06. Read about artists sneaking KKK and Putin merchandise into a Trump Tower gift shop at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. All from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Stay tuned. In just a moment here, you're going to get the keyword of the day for our texting contest. And you text it, you could win our big prize. Our all-expense-paid trip for two to Las Vegas for the iHeart Radio Music Festival in late September. The keyword is coming up. Now, I've been wondering, and I'll bet you have as well, what's it going to take for those folks to be able to live again in their flooded homes from which they have been driven in Texas. This is a big, expensive process with a lot of dimensions to it that I've never fully understood. But we're bringing in one of our WFLA experts, Charlie DePerry, who has restored homes and knows what it takes. From AceSolvesItAll.com fame and host of WFLA's Home Improvement Show, Saturday mornings from 9 until 11, right here on News Radio 1025 FM and AM 540. We got close to 40,000 homes flooded in the Houston area alone, more elsewhere. Average value $300,000. What's it going to take to make them livable again? Charlie DePerry explains here in a moment, and I cannot wait to get his take on this important angle to the Harvey story. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I've been wondering, and I'm sure you have as well, what it's going to take to make those flooded homes habitable in Texas. What is involved in that? How long does it take? What does it cost? Let's bring in Charlie DePerry, head man at AceSolvesItAll.com and host of WFLA's incredible home improvement show Saturday mornings from 9 and Till 11 here on News Radio 1025 FM and AM 540. Charlie, thank you for coming on. Good morning, Orlando. Welcome to the 50,000 watt front porch, my friend. Good morning, Bud. And uh, this situation in in, uh, Houston is uh, so massive. Yeah. It's going to take quite a bit of time for it to get uh, resolved. And and from what I understand, only about 20% of the people there have flood insurance. So I don't know how the other people are going to have the financial. part of it figured out but FEMA maybe lend them money I, I don't know but you know most of these houses are going to have to be gutted out you know they're not going to be livable for quite some time so once the floodwaters recede what happens to restore a home like this they got 40,000 of them in Houston average value $300,000 it's such a massive project in most cases they're going to have to go in and gut the homes Houston has pretty much the same climate that we do here in Central Florida. Yeah, but what do you mean by gutting the home? Well, you go in there, you're restoring the home, what do you do? You're going to have to remove all the drywall because it only takes 72 hours for, for mold to start to grow. And if it's in a moist, dark, heated area, you know, those houses are going to be sitting for a while. This isn't going to start for quite some time. They're going to have to gut all the drywall out of the house. Wow, that, that's every single room, every single wall, all the Absolutely. ceilings, they all got to come out? They're all going to have to come out. Wow. Uh, they'd be foolish to save them because uh, uh, if you could do it right away, you yeah. know, you could save quite a bit of it. But these homes are going to sit for a while before sure. they get to them. How long does it take to do that, to gut all the, the drywall and get it out of there? Well, I mean, in a couple of days you can do it. But then what has to happen is because of the size of the project, 
the authorities are going to make you bring those homes up to today's code. So, mm-hmm. you know, the electrical's going to change, the plumbing's going to change, everything, the wow. air conditioning, all everything's going to be brought up to code. And there's such a massive amount of materials that are going to be needed to bring Houston back. Wow. So we're not talking in workforce, Houston. Where's the workforce going to come from? Well, that's what I'd like to know. I'm sure there's there's opportunity for folks, but uh, what are they going to do, bring in contractors from all around the country here to do this? You know, we we don't have enough contractors now, enough tradespeople, you know. Wow. And, and this is such a big project. People will travel. And what the people got to watch out for as well is they're called storm chasers. There's guys that travel to, to uh-huh. big things like that. And there's good ones and bad ones. And we had a lot of bad ones here back in 2004 that kind of took the money and ran. How long will it take then after you get all the drywall out of there? you got to put new drywall in, all the electrical, as you said. Everything's got to be redone. How long might it take from the first day you walk into a flooded-out home until the homeowner walks back in to live? Uh, probably six months if all the ducks were in a row. But, wow. you know, you're going to have trouble. The authorities, authorities are going to have to go around and inspect every home, and they'll be condemning them. You know, you can't just, the utility companies, they can't turn on the gas or turn on the electric. They don't know what the situation is in every home. So. Are they going to have to bulldoze some of these houses or not? We're not talking wind damage, we're just talking water damage. I'm, I'm sure they will. It, it probably would be cheaper in some cases to bulldoze some and just rebuild it. Supposing you have an average-priced home in Houston, which they say is $300,000. There's 40,000 homes flooded right now. If you take a house at that level, what would it cost? Somebody's going to have to pay if you don't have flood insurance and whether you get federal aid or whatever, somebody's going to have to pay. What would it cost to make a home livable? What do you think? It's it's probably going to cost a couple of do, you know a couple of hundred grand to get that house back. Oh man, unbelievable situation it there. Is because you got to realize you got to tear the house apart, yeah, and then start to put it back together, and then you got to bring it. Like I said, you got to bring it to today's code. If that house was built in the '60s, mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to rebuild it just how it was. All you know, codes have changed. Boy. Great job for us here, Charlie. I mean, you know this well. You've done home restoration work. I mean, you do it all. That's why they call your firm Ace Solves It All. Check them out at acesolvesitall.com and check out Charlie and his great team. He's the host of WFLA's Home Improvement Show Saturday mornings from 9 until 11. Just all kinds of advice on everything home-related. It's really a great show. I love listening to it on News Radio 1025 FM and AM 540. Charlie DePerry, thank you so much. All right, have a great day, bud. Good deal. Now my question to you is, you live in Central Florida. We've had storms, just sometimes massive thunderstorms that flood out homes, sometimes hurricanes, tropical storms, massive amounts of rain, high water. You're flooded out of your home. Have you ever been through that experience? And if so, what was it like for you? What did it involve? What did it cost? How long did it take? to make your home livable again. Charlie's told us what's involved in getting this done. What's it like to live through that? Help us understand what 40,000-plus homeowners in the Houston area alone are facing based on your experience. 407-916-5400. Love to hear from you on this. Text line 23680. Yaffe, you just identified a problem... Harvey-related in the Houston area that I had not thought about. This is the fourth largest city in America with a huge... 
population of public school students, and the school year is supposed to start, as it does in many parts of the country, not here, we get started earlier, right after Labor Day next week. Yeah, I was just reading this. It was on Fox News, believe it or not, and they were saying that um, they're worried about the school system in Austin being facing a potential crisis because possibly thousands of evacuees of Harvey from Houston will relocate to Austin temporarily, and all of those kids are going to have to ro- enroll in Austin schools. I asked you, Bryce, to tell us how far away from Houston Austin is, and it's not close. No, it's about a three-hour drive, and it's 165 and a half miles away. Yeah, it's crazy. They said uh, right now more than 160 public schools and 30 charter schools were closed or, or are closed because of Harvey. Wow. And they don't they have no idea when they're going to reopen. They want to reopen by next week, but they, they have no idea. Yeah, I know they have assistance, you know, when it, when a school, um, you know, can't open for one reason or another. But nobody has ever thought about anything that involves these numbers of students, teachers and administrators. Yeah, it says two hundred and fifteen thousand students are enrolled in Houston. All right. I'm the commissioner of education in the great state of Texas. I think the only way out of this nightmare is for the flood zone, the school year starts when it can start. Maybe it's a month delayed or two months delayed, and you just move the school calendar so that the school year ends a month or two later. I don't know how else to deal with this. I don't think this is going to work, relocating people to a faraway city and having them go to schools there from there'll be no room for that many. Well, it's not. I don't think they're relocating them. It's the people that are relocating themselves as well, Houston gets rebuilt. What about everybody else? I mean, they're, they're just going to have to delay the start of the school year, aren't they? I, I, I guess so. I would have to imagine they are. Man, oh man. See, it's, it's interesting. I, you know, I think we have all the bases covered here. You know, and uh, and all of a sudden, you you just revealed something yeah. to me I had not given a single thought to. Right? I, I didn't either. I remember when we had those hurricanes. You know, Charlie and all of them. I had to miss high school. And we just had to make those days up later. We didn't get to make them all up, but we still just made them up later in the years, you know, random holidays and things like that. Yeah, because we had Charlie on the 13th of August, okay, and it was right around when school was starting. Then we had Francis and Jean within a space of six weeks here, and there was a lot of disruption, but nothing like what we're talking about in the Houston, Texas area. Wow, what a story that is. Tom Alexander bringing us the news in Deb's absence. She'll be back next Monday from her vacation. Tom, now we're looking ahead in this active tropical season to the next storm. What have you got? Well, tropical storm Irma is on the verge of becoming a hurricane. As of the latest advisory, forecasters at the National Hurricane Center say Irma is packing top winds of about 70 miles an hour. Forecasters say Irma is likely to become a hurricane later today. Dennis Feldkin of the National Hurricane Center says, in spite of some spaghetti models showing Irma getting closer to the Caribbean or eastern U.S. in the next week, he says it's really too early to determine where Irma will be by then. I wouldn't put a whole lot of credence on these uh, spaghetti models. I know they're out into the world, but uh, what our listeners need to realize here is that a lot of those models would never have a prayer in the world of working. Feldkin says Irma will be the ninth named storm of the season which hits its peak in the month of September. The news is brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
Two women dressed as nuns are on the run after police say they tried to rob a bank in Pennsylvania on Monday. Okay, these are phony nuns. It appears that way. I was losing faith. Go ahead. (laughs) Police say one of the robbers, who in security video appears to be packing a pistol, demanded money from a teller while the other nun waited by the door. Both sisters took off empty-handed and are now on the run from the FBI. (laughs) Each woman was wearing a black nun's habit and a veil with a white wimple covering her hair and part of her face. One of the robbers wore dark sunglasses. Both are considered armed and dangerous. And going straight to hell. <laughs> Given the Catholic I would Church assume a bad so, name, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, a North Florida man cited for starting a 700-acre wildfire back in March just got a big bill from the state. Good. The Florida Department of Agriculture is billing Brian Leon Sparks for the personnel and machinery used to put out the fire to the tune of nearly $60,000. Oh, boy. The invoiced bill is on top of a misdemeanor criminal citation for failing to obtain a department permit and reckless land burning. Forest Service says Sparks started burning old paperbacks and clutter outside his home in Bryceville, which is not far from Jacksonville, uh, on March 22nd. Flames got out of control. They forced evacuations and damaged eight homes. Oh, yeah, we remember it. Absolutely. Wow, that's good. And you've heard of the the old phrase, taking something hook, line, and sinker? Oh, yeah. It happens to me too often, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> well, one fish took all of that and the pole, too. An unlucky fisherman in Brazil hooked a large fish only to lose both the fish and his spare pole while he tried to reel it in. Video from earlier this month shows the would-be catch of the day getting its revenge by yanking the spare rod into the water swimming away this is a bad sign are the fish fighting back i mean they're not going to take it anymore they've had enough bound to have it sooner or later i, <laughs> I guess. would think so you know that's enough <laughs> cut it out up there <laughs> wfla news time now eight thirty-six. <laughs> always a pleasure having you with us good job tom uh, will be in again tomorrow and then deb returns on monday and uh, stay tuned on that score our weekly house call breaking health and medical news with dr ken cronhouse coming up here Do you know what salt can do to your chances of heart failure? Wow. Do you know what sleepless nights do to your heart? You're about to find out about that and more. Breaking health and medical news from my heart doctor, Ken Kronhaus, next on the 50,000-watt front porch. Don't miss it. As we roll on toward 9 o'clock from the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Here on Good Morning Orlando, we care about your health and well-being. After all, without you, who would listen to the show? That's why each Thursday at this time, we welcome our own doctor, Ken Kronhaus. And he's my doctor from Lake Cardiology, the best in the business, and uh, has been a staple on Good Morning Orlando here for years with his breaking health and medical news segment, 840 every Thursday morning. And here we are for the latest house call. Doc, welcome aboard. Good morning to you. Great to be with you, bud. You know, I have to say, I have several cups of coffee to get me through working this early in the morning, and you've got some new research that uh, will surprise a lot of folks about uh, the fact that there are benefits to having coffee. Exactly. A lot of heart information this week out of the European Society of Cardiology Congress in Barcelona that's meeting this week. And what we learned was that drinking four cups of coffee each day, bud, can be part of a healthy diet in healthy people. Those who drink at least four cups of coffee a day, they have a whopping 64% lower risk of death from any cause than those who drink little or no coffee on a regular basis. 
basis. So some, it'll bring on palpitations, but if you feel good on four cups a day, you're going to live longer. I'm not recommending everyone go out and do it, but if you're doing it, enjoy it. Do they have any idea why that would be, Doc? What's, they, in, what's in coffee that can lengthen life? They really don't know, but there's probably a lot of antioxidants, anti-inflammatories. Those are my guesses. And now we need to talk about the evils of salt and, and how that's all tied in uh, to a catastrophic failure of your heart. More from the European Society of Cardiology this week. Too much salt is known to be bad bud for our cardiovascular system, and a new study suggests it may even double our risk of heart failure. The American Heart Association recommends reducing the daily consumption of dietary sodium to less than 1,500 milligrams per day. That's minimal. If you're using a salt shaker, you're exceeding that 1,500 milligrams a day. Tell you what, while we're on a roll here in your specialty, and and that's cardiology and heart health, let's talk about new research coming out of that big meeting over in Barcelona that you've been focusing on and how important it is to your heart that you get good sleep. Exactly. Throw throw away the salt, get a cup of coffee, and let's go dancing. Getting your dancing shoes on, your brain will thank you for it. But physical activity in later life, particularly dancing out of this study, uh, Frontiers in Human Neuroscience, can help to reverse the signs of brain aging. The hippocampus, it's the brain region commonly associated with learning, memory, and emotion, and it's the region commonly affected by age-related brain changes. Congratulations to dancers. They show significant increases in hippocampal volume. How about that? And for folks who think that sleepless nights just make it tough to get through the day at work, it's also pretty tough on your heart, right, Doc? More from the European Society of Congress this week. But exactly, poor sleep will not simply leave you bleary-eyed. It also linked with stroke and reduced blood supply to the heart, poor sleep. It includes too short or too long sleep, bud, difficulty falling asleep, and difficulty maintaining sleep. And an interesting trend in the United States has now been revealed, Doc, in new research that the average age of our dads in this country is going up. This week from the medical journal Human Reproduction, the age of new fathers, but has increased by three and a half years since the early 1970s, and the number of first births for fathers older than 40 has more than doubled. Older fathers, they're more likely to have kids affected by certain health conditions such as autism and schizophrenia, and they also tend to have fewer kids. However, older fathers, they tend to have better jobs, more stability, and be more involved in their children's lives. I see. So it's, uh, you know, some good news and some concerning news there. This sounds to me, uh, and of course, I'm anything but a medical professional, professional, But this sounds like groundbreaking stuff. News of the first gene therapy coming to this country? Breakthrough of the week and maybe breakthrough of the year. We're entering a new frontier in medical innovation, bud, with the ability to reprogram a patient's own cells to attack a deadly cancer. This is not science fiction. This was approved this week by the FDA. The FDA is making the first gene therapy available in America, an immunotherapy treatment for acute lymphoblastic leukemia. The FDA approved Kimraya for certain pediatric and adult patients 
diagnosed with a form of acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Kimrai, it's a genetically modified uh, T-cell immunotherapy, not to get into the weeds too much, but with each dose, it's customized using the patient's own T-cells. These are the immune cells that fight cancers. The altered T-cells include a new gene that directs the T-cells to kill leukemia cells. So individualized therapy to get your own immune system to kill your own cancer cells. Wow. I'm telling you, that sounds like a game changer to me. And first word of it here this morning. Doc, thank you so much. And before you go, I headlined this before you came on for the house call segment. And it's interesting. You know, um, when you go in for a heart procedure, you might think that you're better off if you're thin than if you're fat. But uh, apparently not so. What's the story? More out of this week's European Society of Cardiology. Skinny patients but are far more likely to die after heart catheterization than those who are overweight. Fortunately, not many people die after it, but that's the way it is. The, uh, the paradox is there. This study tracked more than 1 million patients who underwent cardiac catheterization. One theory to explain the results is that larger people have greater energy reserves to beat their illness, but a healthy weight maintains and ma- helps you manage conditions like high blood pressure, high yeah. cholesterol, and type 2 diabetes, which increase the risk of heart disease. Boy, I got to tell you, this has been an absolutely fabulous lineup of breaking health and medical news on the house call. One of the best ever. Doc, thank you so much. Love it when you come on the 50,000 watt front porch for the house call every Thursday morning at 840. Have a great day and thank you so much. Be well, bud. Dr. K, Lake Cardiology, home of the BudScan 2.0, life-saving heart scan that most insurance will cover. It's where I go for heart care and I cannot imagine having another heart doctor beside the great Dr. Kronhaus and his staff backing him up at Lake Cardiology. Book one appointment there. And not only might they save your life, but you will see what real heart care at the very highest level is all about. Call them today. Tell them I sent you. 352-735-1400. 352-735-1400. If you want more of Doc on the radio, we got you covered. Got a nationally syndicated show that we carry every Sunday afternoon at 2 right here on WFLA. Tune in for Good Day Health with Dr. Ken. So what politician do you think has the biggest ego in American history? I'll tell you who it is in just a moment. But Yaffe, you got some incoming on this when we brought it up for our earlier audience on the show today. And you got some feedback on the text line. I know a bunch of people wanted to weigh in on who they think it is. Uh, A couple of people said Obama. They believe that Barack Obama was the one. He's got a big one. No doubt about it. Uh, Although I got some interesting ones. One person said Andrew Jackson or Teddy Roosevelt. Mm, Very Uh, strong personalities for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's very true. And then uh, one person said it's a tie between FDR, Winston Churchill, and Harry Truman. I don't know if I buy the Harry Truman one. No, I wouldn't either. I never saw um, him as, a, as having a huge ego. Yeah, the other ones had big egos. Also, some of them were great leaders. But um, at any rate, and you might say Donald Trump, right? And someone said Barack Obama. It's not true. I have undeniable, irrefutable proof here this morning that I have presented in great detail earlier. Time does not permit the extended discourse on this, okay? Because we're, I'm looking at Glenn Beck, and he's tapping his watch and reminding me when he comes on, and it's very shortly. It's Hillary Clinton. It has to be. She is doing something unprecedented. She's going on a book tour for her new book explaining her stunning loss to Donald Trump for the presidency. She's a two-time loser, and she ought to be a convicted felon in jail, but that's a whole other story we've talked about at length on this show. 
She's doing something unprecedented. On a book tour, normally, you sell books, you sign books, you shake hands, talk to people. That's the way you do a book tour. She is charging people up to $1,200 a pop to hear her story and sign a book. Up to $1,200 on a 15-stop tour. Does she think anybody's going to pay that kind of money? This is unbelievable. I mean, what is that, like they're not making any money off the Clinton Foundation thing anymore? Is that dried up? I mean, they can't make the mortgage payments up in Chappaqua, she and Bill. <laughs> what is going on here? Where in the world does she think she can get away with that? And who's going to do that? Even the Democrats don't want to be near her. I mean, she's poisoned now. She's radioactive. She's yesterday's news. She, and she has no power, and they're going to pay that kind of money? This Give me is, a break. This is really strange to me. Aren't most book tours free? Yes. I mean, most don't they yes. usually travel and do it for free to get yes. their book out? This is reportedly unprecedented, what she's trying to get away with. That proves it. The biggest ego in American political history, and I think she's headed for a fall on that one. If you want to donate to Harvey Relief, redcross.org, on the phone, one 800 Red Cross, text Harvey to 90999. That's it. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Glenn Beck coming up into the first hour. Be listening for our texting contest and the key word of the day. Text it. You could win an all-expense-paid trip to Las Vegas for the incredible iHeartRadio Music Festival in late September. It's coming up. For the entire team, the Budman here, thanks for a great show. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. Thanks, God bless you, and God bless America.